Um, so this morning, you're likely here because you heard that we're talking about sex this morning. <laughs> or you're here because you didn't hear we were talking about sex, right? And I, I know, like, listen, this can be, um, some of you are like, ah, oh, today of all days to come, right? I know there's a lot of emotions with this, and um, there's temptation for the enemy, Satan, to heap shame, guilt, and condemnation, and that's not from the Lord, right? The Lord has come to give us freedom, forgiveness, wholeness, restoration, and peace. And so I want to tell you that on the front end, and then we're going to pray, because, man, we need, we need some prayer for this, all right? So let's pray. God, like, I, I know, I know, Lord, we just started even mentioning sex. We started mentioning this, like, boom, memories flood our mind. Failures fill our mind. Sin fills our mind. Mistakes, guilt, shame, condemnation fill our mind, God. And we know that if we are in Christ, there is now no condemnation. So we speak against condemnation and command it to leave in Jesus' name. For those that do not know you and are heaped up with the guilt and shame, God, that you would draw them to yourself as a good father, a compassionate father, a loving father who, who wishes to pour out extravagant mercy mercy and grace upon them. God, for those that are stuck in hopelessness this morning, we say to the hopelessness, be gone in Jesus' name. God, that you would increase our faith, that greater is he that is in us than the one that is in the world. We thank you that we are no longer slaves to sin. We thank you that you've made us more than conquerors. We thank you that we are not stuck in a pattern of sin, even though our reality sometimes causes us to question it. So God, would you increase our faith this morning? Would you speak life into our hearts this morning? Would you give us hope for the hopeless, would you bind up the brokenhearted? For those, God, that have been so wounded by sex, God, would you mend their hearts? I command any assignment of the enemy against this place to be gone in Jesus' name. Any lie to twist and distort the truth be gone in Jesus' name. Holy Spirit, would you give me the words to say? Would you guide us into the path that you have for us this morning about sex? For those, God, whose sex has been an, an ugly thing, an abusive thing, God, would you restore it to a fresh picture of the beauty of the gift that it is that you've given us? God, I, I just, I can't do this. I cannot do this on my own. Lord, I trust you that you will give what to say, that you will speak, Holy Spirit, to the hearts specifically and individually, that there would be a balance of grace and truth, God, that the words would be dripping with grace this morning, that there would be a clarity and truth in what, what it is that you call us into, Lord, and why you call us into that. Yeah, we pray this in Jesus' name, amen. Um. We're going to be in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, starting verse 12. But I'll tell you this before we get started. Um, man, I just, I know, I know, I know the temptation 
especially as I like keep talking, for you to like just walk in greater shame. Because some of you are, you know, walking in the darkness in sin right now. Some of you just have been harmed by this. Some of you have done stupid things in your past, right, and received forgiveness. And just like, there's such a temptation for the enemy to twist and manipulate this into driving us away from the Lord. And I bring these things up to this morning, not because the Lord wants to like yell at you and scream at you to, so you'll run away from him, but he's beckoning and calling you into who he's created you to be as saints, right? So there's a verse that comes to my mind. It's in 1 John chapter 1, somewhere in John 1, 1 John 1. And it says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And why is this a big deal as we talk about sex? Because it's a beautiful thing, but he, he offers us forgiveness and cleansing, purification, not because of your uh, righteousness, not because of your faithfulness, not because you've done the right things, but because of Jesus. And when we enter into relationship with him, I don't care what you've done. I don't care what you've had done to you. There is wholeness, there is restoration, there is peace, and there is freedom. And this morning, there's a temptation to say, like, well, but not me, but I've done this, or I've done this. Yeah, 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 right. He is faithful and just to cleanse us of all unrighteousness. Remember, this church in Corinth wasn't like just doing a few crazy sexual things. It's that it was so out of control. They were doing things that the pagans weren't even doing within the church. People were sleeping with their stepmoms. It was getting out of control. And at the beginning of 1 Corinthians, Paul says, you are saints. He's giving them hope. He's reminding them of identity. This is not something that we have to just deal with for the rest of our lives. God wants to remind us of what the gospel offers us this morning. Grace, forgiveness, and walking in the freedom that he's purchased for us on the cross so I want to talk about the gift of sex sex is great next week um, someone said to me this morning they're like yeah I noticed you got a new computer you can draw stuff you're not drawing anything today are you I was like uh, nope nope not gonna do that I don't know Dave might next week as he talks about sex and marriage and the joy of sex and marriage there's going to probably be a lot of amens and hallelujahs on that, on that day. And then we're going to talk about singleness, singleness, the gift of singleness, and sex and singleness the week after that, okay? All right. Let's, let's do this. All right, let's read it. 1 Corinthians 6, starting verse 12. All things are lawful for me, but not all things are helpful. All things are lawful for me, but I will not be dominated by anything. Food is meant for the stomach and the stomach for food. And God will destroy both one and the other. The body is not meant for sexual immorality, but for the Lord. And the Lord for the body. And God raised the Lord and will also raise us up by his power. Do you not know that your bodies are members of Christ? Shall I then take members of Christ and make them members of a prostitute? Never. Or do you not, or do you not know that he who is joined to a prostitute becomes one body with her? For as it is written, the two will become one flesh. But he who is joined to the Lord becomes one spirit with him. Flee from sexual immorality. Every other sin a person commits outside the, uh, is outside the body, but sexual immoral, immoral person sins against his own body. Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? You are not your own, for you are bought with a price. So glorify God in your body. All right, there it is. Um, you know, there's this discussion going on of like, are we under the law of the Old Testament, these 613 rules and laws? Like, do we have to do that or not? Is there freedom? 
And, and Paul's like, yeah, yeah, there's freedom, but that doesn't mean the freedom to do whatever you want with this because now you belong to the Lord. He is the boss. He's the one that we're surrendered in submission, and in submission to. But as we talked about the past couple of weeks with friendship with God, it's not just this master-servant relationship that's like, yes, God, I'll do whatever I want. It's out of a heart of love, right? This friendship where we get to know him face-to-face and he knows us and he accepts us and, and, and forgives us regardless of our sin and our junk and we get to know his heart and have this deep, intimate relationship with one another. And it's out of that love then that we willingly and joyfully lay down our lives as a response to him laying down his life for us so he's saying no it's it's not like a you get to do whatever you want anymore and now he gets talking specifically about sex because obviously they had a ton of questions about sex like we tend to have a lot of questions about sex right and sometimes the tendency with sex is especially i don't know if you grew up sometimes in the church you grow up with it and sex is like the dirty word you're like don't talk about it right or it, it's portrayed as this dirty dirty thing or it's like secondary because you're like oh you know what it's like it's this physical thing. We need to be focused on the spiritual thing. But what Paul reminds us here at the very beginning of this little chunk about, about sex is he's saying, no, the body was meant not for sexual immorality, but for the Lord and the Lord for the body. And God raised up the Lord and will also raise us up by his power. You see, in the very beginning, before sin entered the picture, God created us very physical beings, man and woman, right? Physical stuff wasn't something that all of a sudden resulted after the fall. And in fact, and we'll look in a minute, in Genesis chapter 2, he creates man and woman, and he created them and designed them to have sex with one another, and he said it was good. When Jesus Christ comes back, we will be raised up, and we will have a physical body, a renewed and restored body, that's not going to be perishable or broken or decay, but it will be very physical and very spiritual. So to think, well, God doesn't really care about sex because that's physical stuff. Let's just focus on the spiritual. No, no, no. God has created us as physical beings that, um, that he's given us physical gifts. But the key is, what is the purpose of these physical things which God has given us? Genesis chapter 2, verses 24 and 25. This is after the whole creation account, right, of God creating man and woman, and it goes into the depth of his interaction with them in chapter 2, and this is what he says right before the fall. So this is prior to the fall, to the sin entering the world, and uh, it's, it says this in verse 24. Therefore a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. And the man and his wife were both naked and we're not ashamed. I mean, picture that, right? How awesome. Not just that they were naked. Awesome. But, <laughs> you were thinking it. Um, <laughs> no, right? Awesome. But here's the beauty of it. It was that they stood naked before each other, totally laid bare, right? And there was absolutely no shame. Now, I think it's more than just this physical laying bare in front of one another. I think it's heart, mind, body, soul, everything. It's like, here's everything that I am. Here's every part of me. I'm laying it bare before you so that we can know each other face to face in true, deep intimacy with one another. And there wasn't this shame that went along with it. God designed this in, in sex to stand naked before one another that there be no shame. And the culmination of that unity was that in sex that they would become one flesh. Here's what takes place in sex. In sex, it's not purely just a physical act. I mean, it's physical, but it's more than physical, right? In sex, you become one flesh with that person. 
you're united with him in deep and profound ways, not just in body, but in soul and spirit and mind, like all this deep uniting and deep connecting. And honestly, like in the context of marriage, oh, what an incredible gift from the Lord. Yes, it's physically pleasuring. Yes, it's, it's for procreation. But it's for this unifying and uniting between a husband and a wife that, that, that they can be laid bare before one another and just be united in deep and intimate ways. And that's a beautiful thing in the covenant of marriage. Because in the covenant of marriage, when you enter into a covenant, it's saying my life is not my own. I'm laying down my life, and you're laying down your life. And what's mine is yours, and yours is mine. And so there's this freedom to be bare with one another. There's freedom to lay your life down. There's freedom to be open and be united when there is the boundaries and the guidelines that this isn't just a one-time deal, but this is for the, all, our, our lives together. There's not that freedom of like, are you going to leave me? Am I doing this good enough? Am I proving myself to you? What is this? Am I, I going to earn this from you? but you're continuing to lay down your lives in this unity and oneness that takes place in the context of sex. What an incredibly beautiful gift that God has given us. I think we've totally cheapened sex, right? We've made sex just a physical thing for physical needs, and it is so much more profound, so much more beautiful than that. And when we use sex, I'm saying using it makes it sound like a commodity. When we enjoy sex because it's to be enjoyed when we enjoy sex in the guidelines and criteria God gives us he gives us guidelines and criteria not to rob us of joy but to increase our joy think about it like this with fire fire is powerful fire when it's contained can do a lot of good stuff right in the pit or in your fireplace It, it can heat your house it can provide something to cook food on, keep you warm. It's really powerful. But you know, if that fire gets out, it gets crazy and it's, un- it's not containable and it causes a lot of destruction. Right? Think about all the wildfires. You can't contain it. Once that baby starts going, oh man, it's hard to put out. Uh, a couple years back, actually a number of years back, my dad, we, uh, we grew up in like the, a wooded area and so my dad would often burn stuff because, well, you can in the woods and so he would burn stuff in a fire pit. So his stuff was burning down. It looked good. He's like, no worries. He goes inside to take a nap. And um, all of a sudden, my mom looks out the window, and the whole hillside is on fire. Comes within 10 feet of the house. And, you know, a little embarrassing because, you know, uh, uh, fire, the police guys and the, what's the, fire men. Thank you. <laughs> fire people. I uh, got sex on the brain. Can't think about anything else. So. Um, <laughs> woo, yeah. <laughs> they come and put it out. And thankfully, they were able to contain it. A little bit embarrassing because it was my sister's uh, prom, and the date came to pick it up in the middle of a fire being put out, but that's fine. <laughs> but the point being, fire is great when it's contained the way it's supposed to be. If it gets out of control, it is, it is dangerous, right? And so God puts this, these guidelines around us for sex, not because he wants to rob us of joy, because he wants to give us incredible joy. And ultimately, everything that we do, when you use it in the guidelines of the one who instituted it, it's an act of worship and submission and surrender to him. Just like everything else God's given us, right? Like, God gave us a lot of other physical things, like taste buds, so we enjoy food. It's not like just green mush that we eat. It's like, okay, i got to get sustenance. No, God created us very physical with a lot of different taste buds, so that when we do it, it's an act of worship to him. Like, oh, God, thank you for your vast creation. Thank you for these amazing tastes. Thank you for what you've provided. Sex is the same way. It is an act of worship. But it is only worshipful and pleasing to him when we do it in the way that he designs it to be. And I will define it as this. 
Sex, according to God's guidelines, is between a man and a woman and a woman in the covenant of marriage. Paul goes on to say, outside of that context, sexual activity is devastating. Because whether you want it to happen or not, the oneness, the one flesh occurs. So this idea of casual sex is totally false. You may be mentally casual. You may be, I don't really know the person, it's not a big deal. But your spirit and your soul says otherwise. Whether you want to be united to them or not, it will take place. And so he's saying, listen, if you, if you sleep with a prostitute, and that means that's like a one-time deal. It's not like, what well, it happens over time when we really get to know each other and there's this emotional bond. No, no, you don't have to know the person. You have sex with them once or sexual activity, then one time, boom, there is that oneness that takes place with them. And that's why even after the fact, long afterwards, you feel this connection with them. Even if you don't know the name, right? You have this connection to someone. Your soul is tied to them. Your deep parts, you are connected to them. And this person, and this person, and this person. And it can be absolutely devastating because uh, you're, you're connected. You, you, there's these soul ties someone described them as. Now, here's the thing when I say this, right? This is where the temptations be like, oh, crap, guilt and shame and condemnation. Here's the beauty, right? This God that we worship is so filled with grace. I don't care how many person, people you fooled around with. There is grace and compassion for you. I don't care how many people you are tied to. The God that we worship is the creator of the universe, and he is more powerful than those things, and he can set you free of that stuff. Listen, I'm not, I'm not saying that there's not ramifications. I'm not saying that there's not consequences. I'm not saying it's not hard. I'm not saying there's not these thoughts. But I don't want you to sit here in hopelessness. Some of you have experienced the negative effects of these, this soul connection, these deep oneness with people because you've been abused. It is no sin of your own but you've experienced the horrific ramifications of sin that has been committed against you by abuse and rape. And I will tell you that there is freedom from that for you today. Like, there's such, such devastation of sexual activity outside of the confines of marriage. It is awesome. It is awesome in marriage, but it can be so devastating outside of God's confines. So what is sexual immorality? He tells us here, flee from sexual immorality. He says, your body is not used for, uh, for sexual immorality. What is sexual immorality? Here's what I'm going to find to sexual, sexual immorality as. Any sexual activity outside the covenant of marriage between a man and a woman. So you're like, all right, cool. But like, what is sexual activity? <laughs> you are, you're thinking that, aren't you? So, I think sometimes, I'm going to give you a list of some things, but here's my caution in it. The temptation when I give you a list of this, 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 and this, and it's going to get a little awkward because I've got to say things I don't really want to say. Um, the temptation is to go, okay, cool, well, how close to the line can I get? How much can I do? How far is too far? That's the wrong question. If your mentality is how far is too far, how far can I go with this person or that person, you are asking the wrong question because you're asking the question, how much can I get away with before God gets ticked off at me? If our bodies, as it says here at the end of this section of 1 Corinthians chapter 6, it says, 
Your bodies are not your own, right? You've been bought with a price, so glorify God in your body. The question should be, in this activity, am I honoring and glorifying God? Is this act honoring to God with my body? Because if it's how much can I get away with, it's like me saying to Michelle, hey, how much can I do with another woman before you get ticked off at me, right? Are we going to like hold hands? Can we like make out? Can we do what, what can we do before you get mad at me? I mean, it's silly, right? It shouldn't be how much can I get away with, but how much can I honor and respect and cherish my wife? Same with the Lord. The Lord has purchased you. He has purchased you to have intimacy with him above all else. And the purchase price that he paid for you wasn't cheap. The purchase price that he paid for you was the life of his son, Jesus Christ, that was costly. Your body does not belong to you because you've been purchased with a great price. And here's the beauty of it. He didn't purchase your freedom from sin. He didn't purchase your forgiveness because you were pure. He purchased you, then made you pure. I pray that our attitude should be, how much can I glorify the Lord? How much can I honor him? How much can I respect him? And if I love my neighbor, if I love my girlfriend or boyfriend, if I love this person, that person, how can I help them in such a way to honor and glorify the Lord with their body as well. So I think there are some things that pretty blatant, I would categorize as sexual immorality, that I think we say, well, it's not like technical intercourse, so that doesn't really count. And I'm like, yeah, it, this is sexual immorality, right? Anal sex, oral sex, this is all stuff outside of marriage. Dave's going to get into the details in marriage next week, all right? Um, like, oh gosh, I'm... Um, Right? Anal sex and oral sex. Sometimes it's like, well, that's not like sex. Okay, that's sexual immorality. Fondling, on, overclothes, underclothes, things that lead to orgasm. The things don't, don't even leave the orgasm some, sometimes. And, and so for some of you, here's the thing. Even making out may lead you towards sexual immorality. But the question is, well, is it or isn't it? You have to say, how can I live in such a way that glorifies and honors God with my body. And here's the thing that's really helpful for me, is it says this in Song of Solomon, chapter 8, verse 4, that I think is some wise words in thinking about what should we do or not do. It says, Promise me, O women of Jerusalem, do not awaken love until the time is right. Like, a lot of those things are foreplay that are designed to get you rocking and rolling for sex, right? But, Oftentimes, when we are doing those things with someone that is not our spouse, we are awakening love before it is time. And so all of a sudden, we're awakening, awakening. It's like, okay, well, I'm not going to do this. I'm going to do this. You're stirring up things, passions, and unity that is to be designed for, for marriage. And so some of the things you're engaging is you're awakening love before it's time. So I, mean, I, just, I encourage you. I'm not saying don't, don't kiss your, your girlfriend or boyfriend, but I do think at least have a conversation with your girlfriend or boyfriend to think about, hey, when is appropriate for this? How do we honor the Lord in this? Is this awakening love before it's time, right? Now, I know a lot of you are thinking, man, dude, this is kind of intense. Like, this is kind of um, strict. I'm not putting things upon you. I'm just saying we have to start asking the right questions. And some of you think, that you are, uh, you can play really close to the fire without getting burned, and I'll tell you, you're going to get burned. The Lord is calling us into holiness. He's calling us into righteousness because it is what's pleasing and honoring to Him. And I'll tell you, if your motivation for walking in spiritual or uh, 
sexual purity, if your motivation for not walking in sexual immorality is simply because, oh, this is what's best for me, it will not last. I believe the only way that you're going to be able to walk in this impurity over a long period of time is when your motivation is because God is worthy of every area of my life and he's worthy of my sex life. That Jesus is worthy of us doing it his way because he's purchased us with a great price in return that we lay our lives down for him. And it's not robbing us of joy because I tell you, when you operate in this sexual joy uh, and relationship within the context of a covenant of marriage between a husband and wife, it is beautiful and it is splendid. You've been sold a bunch of lies that promise fulfillment, that promise satisfaction, that promise pleasure, and it's going to lead you in greater chains and bondage uh, into sin. Some of you are... um, some of you are believing all kinds of lies that like, well, it's porn. Porn's not a big deal, right? Because it's not like with another person. Porn will mess up your mind. Porn will mess up your marriage. Some of you are having the lie that says, I'll stop looking at porn when I get a girlfriend or boyfriend. Yeah, that doesn't happen. Some of you say, I'm going to stop looking at porn when I get married. That won't happen. Some of you are going to stop looking at porn when you have kids. That just won't happen, right? Because if we're thinking about doing it later, it's not going to take place, right? That we are to right now make decision, how do I honor the Lord in my body? Some of you, um, like a really common one is, well, we're almost married. Like we're close to engagement or like we, we're engaged, so it's like we're being married. It's, it is not the same thing. You are married when you are married. Engagement is engagement. I know of a number of people that get engaged and they don't end up getting married together. How devastating would that be if you become one with that person, one flesh with them, and all of a sudden now you break things off. Some of you um, that have been married already or even had sex already, it's like, well, I've already been married. I already know it's like I can't, I can't wait or God wouldn't want me to wait again. Just because, we'll probably get into this if we have time in the singleness week in a few weeks, like if you're divorced or widow, single, um, God calls us into purity because it's a way to honor and worship him in that. Because we won't fight sin. This is amazing what it says here in verse 18, right? 1 Corinthians six eighteen, It says, flee from sexual immorality. Not like, eh, I shouldn't do sexual immorality. It's flee sexual immorality. Run away. Hightail it in the other direction. Get out of there. And if we buy into these lies, and, and then all of a sudden, it causes us not to flee from them because we're actually embracing the sin because we don't think it's that big of a deal. And it starts small, right? Some of you, um, you, you know this even in, in affairs or um, even if it turns just emotional affair or physical affair with someone. It, you don't wake up one morning, it's like, you know what? I think affair sounds like the right thing to do today, right? It's because you don't flee from sexual morality. It's because you see the temptation, you have the thought, and you don't battle that thought in your mind and say, no, that's not from the Lord. Get out of here. I'm going to make my thoughts captive to Jesus Christ. We don't flee or run out of there. We're like, yeah, let's hang out a little bit later. Let's hang out with just the two of us. Let's go out for this or that, right? And, and it escalates. I talk to tons of couples, and everyone's, I just don't know how it happened. It's because we don't flee from sexual morality. We let it creep in, little by little. That's why Jesus says when he's in the Garden of Gethsemane, keep watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Listen, Galatians 5 says that we have a fleshly nature that is actively warring against us and wants to kill us. 
We are in a battle between the spirit and the flesh. Greater, thankfully, the greater is he that's in us than the one that's in the world. We are on the victorious side, but it doesn't mean it's not going to be a battle. And so we have some, uh, something against us that wants to kill and destroy. So we have to be on watch, on guard, for what are those things that are going to drag us down and kill us. That means, for some of you, get a filter on your computer, get a filter on your phone, get a dumb phone, not a smartphone, right? Yeah. <laughs> right? That means be cautious how you touch and interact with genders, people of the opposite sex. It means be careful where you are with them. It means, I mean, all of these things are saying, how do I keep watch? How do I make sure that I'm fleeing from any hint of sexual immorality? And sometimes it's like, man, that's a little bit extreme. Jesus says in regard to sexual immorality, if your right hand causes you to stumble, cut it off. If your, right, if your eye causes you to stumble, gouge it out. Now, don't really do that. But what he's saying, but what he's saying is, if we're serious about honoring God with our bodies, we will go to the greatest length to make sure we do so. That we'll gouge it out because he's worthy, right? He's worthy. He's worthy of honoring him with our bodies. Oh. Here's something I want to mention too. Sometimes we buy into things that say, well, it's not really porn, and so you get, like, this swimsuit edition from, um, whatever. Thank you, Sports Illustrated. I'm sure you heard that somewhere, right? Yeah. Right, Fifty Shades of Grey, romance novels. Um, those are stirring up love, stirring up romance, stirring up exotic things with someone that is not your spouse. You're like, yeah, yeah, but we do it to get like all revved up for one another. Yeah, yeah. You do it with them first, then to turn to your spouse because that person's not available. So even in all things, right, that we would say, how is this spurring me on toward the Lord? Now, here's the thing. Some of you don't follow Jesus in here, and you think this is crazy. I get that. I, I'm speaking to those that profess Jesus Christ as Lord. Um, but God, has, God wants us to walk in purity, and I will tell you this. There is incredible freedom for you this morning for those that are walking in sin. I'm going to invite my friend up, Tyler. Tyler is going to share a little bit of his story and just give us some words of wisdom um, on this. I think this should be on. Let's see. <laughs> I, uh, I had lunch with Tyler this week, and he was just spitting up so much truth on this. I'm like, dude, you want to just share this with Moran Park on Sunday? I mean, I'll buy your lunch, if that's what it means. And he... Uh, <laughs> He agreed. Why don't you, uh, Tyler, just tell us a little about your story. Yeah. Um, so around sixth, seventh grade, I was introduced to pornography. Um, and from there on, as many of you have probably experienced, I became addicted to it very quickly. Um, got worse and worse and worse. Um, and I could try as hard as I could to get out of it maybe be good for a couple weeks, but get back into it. Um, and it really, it went on until my senior year at Hope. Um, so anyone who could do math, that's how long that was. Um, and what happened was, it was November 8, 2013. Um, I had been doing better, better, I guess, as far as I would say, but um, it was still all on my own strength. Um, I was playing bass at a worship event, and um, the person who was speaking encouraged all of us just to ask the Lord for something and really ask for it. 
um, and believe that you will receive it. And I didn't even think to ask for this, but all of a sudden, just in my mind, and the way I pictured it was, <clears throat> excuse me, the Lord just like grabbed me by the scruff of my neck, was like, you're done. Like, you're done. <laughs> um, Um, it's good, I'm not sad or anything, so, um, <clears throat> and he, um, he's like, Tyler, you're done with it, and it wasn't just like, okay, thanks, yeah, I might still screw up, it was something shifted in my heart where I knew I was done, um, and in that moment, he, he just, gri he ripped me right out of it, and not only did he do that, but he followed it right up with, Tyler, you're done, and I'm also going to use you to help other people who struggle with this. Um, and <clears throat> looking at stories in the Bible of Jesus healing, he doesn't just heal them. He's like, cool, have a nice day. Hopefully it sticks. Hopefully your leg is fine. Like, he, <laughs> he, uh, he heals people, and he says, go tell people about it. Um, and so what I learned from all of that was I tried my hardest to get out of it and it requires effort but you it's a matter of the heart and you need to know Jesus and Jesus has to break into your life in order for there to actually be change what was shifted for you I mean like Matthew it says right um for out of the overflow of the heart these things come what shifted for you when it's like I'm gonna you're trying 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 and couldn't do it what happened what was different about this time um I had been spending a lot more time with the Lord and just finding more satisfaction in being with him, um, and that kind of curbed the addiction, but um, just realizing the Lord's heart that it's not just, uh, I shouldn't do this because it's not right, because it's dirty, because people think different of me. I don't want to do this because Jesus loves me too much for me to do it. What what was the father's heart for you in that minute when you're just like, here it all is? Was there condemnation, shame? Did he beat you up a little bit? What what happened? Um, no, it was just, man. I, I can't even do it justice by putting words to it, but it was just this love that it was, I mean, it was sudden and it was abrupt and it was serious, but it was because he, loves and cares for me so much that he, I, I, I can't even describe it. It was just, his, his heart wasn't, Tyler, you really screwed up and you need to feel bad for a while before I talk to you, before you can spend time with me. I want to see you cry before you spend time with me. And that, that wasn't it. It was, it was just, Tyler, I love you way too much to keep you in this. You know, it's, 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 um, it's crazy, I get so ticked off, like, the way that the enemy perverts our repentance and makes it this dirty thing, like, you have to go through this period of penance, and, like, you could be in the middle of a sexual act, and instead of just turning right away to the Father's open arms, it's like, no, I gotta, like, prove how bad I am first before I can. It's, like, such garbage, you know? And so, there's some of you that have this tendency this morning, like, yeah, I feel like the Lord's turning my heart, but, like, I gotta really do these things first. No, right? 
He is faithful. He is just to cleanse you of all unrighteousness. Repentance is a joy because it's saying, oh, oh, you already did this for me. I want it, right? I want the grace. I want the forgiveness. And he welcomes us with tender receiving arms. What do, you, uh, what do you want to say to the people that are just walking in, in darkness and are like, I can't, I can't say anything. I can't do anything about it. What do you, what do you have to say to them? The, the greatest battle and tool that Satan has in this battle with sexual immorality and particularly porn um, is that it makes you feel dirty and makes you feel like you can't talk about it to anyone. Um, and he uses that, and then in that dark, you kind of keep it to yourself, and it festers, and it grows. Um, and so what I, why, what I would say is, like, swallow your pride, look like an idiot, and tell someone about it. Like, <laughs> that's all you got to do. Because someone, I, I wouldn't be where I am today if I didn't have people who poured into me and helped me along the way. Um, it's not possible to do by yourself. Um, yeah. Keeping, getting it out there and talking to people, just one person about it. Get someone who's close to you and talk to them about it. One last question for you. Um, how would you describe you're married now? And how would you describe the healing, the restoration? I mean, some people are sitting there, will, will it ever get better? Will I ever be able to walk in this joy that you're talking about in marriage um, with all the garbage I've done? Like, what, anything you want to say to that? That's a big question. Uh, so, thankfully, Jesus healed me from my addiction before I met my wife, Erin. Um, and that's not to say that there isn't still lasting effects. It's not, I'm still recovering. You're, I'm never going to be done. Um, but, man, there's just so much grace that the Lord gave to me and my wife um, it, it could have been so much worse. It could have, and one of the lies you had said is people think, oh, I'll, I'll stop fooling around. I'll stop looking at porn when I'm married. It's a load of bull. Like, it's not true. Um, and he, the Lord has just been so gracious to us in healing me, and there could be a lot more negative effects of my addiction and my past behaviors in our marriage, but there isn't really any. So praise Jesus. Praise the Lord. Let's thank Tyler for sharing. I, I don't want you to hear this morning of like, oh, heavy sexual immorality talk. We always want to be blunt with the truth because when we know the truth, right, it'll set us free. But here's the good news of the gospel, right? Jesus is both grace and truth. When he speaks the truth, he gives us the grace to walk it out. And there is hope. I don't care what you've done. I don't care where you're at. There is hope. But it starts with that thing, just having a heart of repentance and openness. Like, oh, here I am, Lord. I don't want this. Take it from me. But I will say for some of you that think you can continue on doing what you want to do in the area of sex and then not get burned, you're going to get burned. Because you're quenching the spirit. And to think that you can only quench the spirit in one area of your life, but not the whole thing, isn't true. The Lord is worthy of our praise and honor because your body does not belong to you. It belongs to the Lord because he's purchased you. I'm going to pray. I'll see what the Lord has for us next. Let's pray.
God, I pray that you would speak to each one of us. Uh, that you would speak above the lies of the enemy. That you'd speak truth. God, would you give us grace and strength not to try to fight this stuff on our own, but that we would flee. We would flee. We'd hightail it out of there. We'd run. We'd run so far away from it that we wouldn't even get remotely close to it. And God, even if things seem extreme, God, that we would recognize, oh, you're worth extreme. I pray against shame, guilt, and condemnation for those who have been sinned against in the area of sexuality. God, that you bring hope and healing. Shame, get up out of here in Jesus' name. God, I pray that you would give us a tangible uh, sense of your love and your grace and your compassion. That you like wrap us even in it. Just like as Tyler experienced, he's like, whoa, can't even explain it with words that we'd experience the, the extent of your love and grace. Hey, for those that even like this morning or last night walked in sexual morality, God, I pray that they wouldn't even feel shame. Like, oh, I got to. I gotta wait a certain amount of time before I can come back to you. We thank you, God, that you just beckon us and call us and woo us to yourself. That we can simply receive what you've already given to us in the cross. For those that are bound by the lie that this will never get better, for those that are bound by the lie that says, I'll never conquer this, for those that are bound by the lie of hopelessness, for those that are bound by shame, guilt, embarrassment, I say be gone in Jesus' name. That God, that you would give freedom because where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. You're in the business of giving liberty. You're in the business of freedom. You're in the business of reconciliation. You're in the business of wholeness and restoration. And so we know, God, that the work that you've begun in this, you will see it to completion. God, would you increase our faith to stand upon the truth this morning, even if our circumstances don't line up with it yet. We will choose to stand on the truth of your word. God, we thank you for the gift of sex. We thank you for the oneness that occurs. God, I pray for the sex life of those that are married in this room. I pray for that unifying work this week. I pray for fresh eyes for one another. Pray for soft hearts. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, I'm going to invite the prayer team to come forward. And and as we're worshiping, I'm going to invite you. If, you, if the Lord's stirring anything in you for prayer, I'm going to invite you to come forward. And you're like, uh, yeah, that's not going to happen. I don't want people to know, right? So here's what I want you to do. It can be sexual related, but I think it's a matter of the heart even. And some of you, it may be an area of sexuality. For some of you, it just may be a hard-heartedness toward the Lord if you want to hold on to part of your life for yourself. It, it may be broader than sexual immorality. And it's more like, hey, I just... I am not willing to surrender my life to the Lord fully and completely and lay my life down for him. And at the end of the day, if someone sees you come forward, what a testimony to them that if you have the boldness to come forward, that the Lord will give you grace to do the same. Other people the grace to do the same. So stand, let's worship together. And uh, the prayer team, would love to pray with you.